Thabiso Musiya on SAFM. So let's pick up the conversation from last week regarding broadcast rights and Mr. William Bed joins us on the line. Good evening, William. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Uh, good evening, Tabiso. Thanks for having me on the program. Thank you. I guess the first question is, what do you make of DSTV being the main sponsor of the PSL and its top flight league? Well, I mean, it, it, it's quite a curious thing that in any other circumstance, if you were to say, okay, so one entity uh, owns owns one of the things, they sponsor the thing, and then they also own the broadcast rights to the thing, you'd say, well, that's that's pretty crazy. And yet that's what we've got. You know, we've got... Them, you know, they own it. They own a football team. They're now the biggest sponsor of it, and they own the broadcast rights. You know, they 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 have all of the cards in this current instance. So it's no wonder they can afford to say to, uh, you know, the public when they ask questions. Now nah, we don't feel like answering that. You know, because mm. you know they hold all of the cards, and they've done a deal with PSL, and and obviously this is a, a very beneficial deal to them, and they know where their bread is buttered, quite literally. So they're not going to be. Uh, daring to offer anything uh, that 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 goes against their playbook, uh, and I guess that's on a on a fairly simple level. It says that you know football is 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 is, is being governed by a monopoly, and uh, I mean not that that's particularly unusual when it comes to sports around the world, but certainly in other areas of our of our life in South Africa, you know I think that people would be going, well, hang on a minute, there's something fundamentally uh, unfair about this whole scenario and something that we just shouldn't really tolerate. And not only that, a couple of days ago they announced that they're also sponsoring the referees who will referee in the same <coughs> leagues and they now call the show makes suffer referees. It does, is, is, is there a hint of a... No, that's true. That's what they're called. Show, show, show makes suffer referees. Is there no conflict of interest here, William? <laughs> I mean, you know, what's next? Uh, are they going to then have the DSTV uh, football shoes? And, uh, and uh, I mean, then there's only the boots and, the, and you know, the socks. I suppose there's their kits and, and you know, maybe the, maybe the grass or, you know, it's, it is, you know, space is running out for them to, to own properties. There's no doubt that that poses a fundamental series of, of, of conflicts uh, in terms of how uh, football is, is managed. And I guess... You know, looking down the line, and, and this is the thing where you have to give credit to uh, multi-choice. You know, they, they're they not looking at this for what's happening this year. Mm-hmm. They're looking at this for what they know is coming. And if you look at where trends are going, your biggest players these days aren't necessarily your broadcasters. They're things like Netflix. Netflix starts to broadcast sport. They're going to find themselves on a hiding to nothing. And they know that this is where the viewership lies. They know that if they have it and they can control it in this method, they've got effective control over not just the team, but the, the referees and the entire sponsorship of the league and all the broadcast rights. You know, so they 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 are they are currently building themselves a, a fort to try and protect, I think, from what they see as coming down the line in the not too distant future. Does that mean that eventually football could be lost to the public, especially those that can't afford the subscription fees? No, I mean, uh, uh, you know. So, in fairness, the the, the real challenge here is, is that the is that the days of this being, you know, most of the games being available to all uh, are rapidly disappearing, and that the trend is, in fact, that you're going to see even greater um, <clears throat> limitations and inequality when it comes to football, uh, particularly because it's just about making money. As football becomes more and more about technology, as it becomes more and more about the products that go along with it, that it's not just the actual match that you go to see. 
it's the game, it's the lead up to it, it's all the programming that goes along with it, it's all of that content that is now bringing in a lot of money. I mean, if you look at the Premiership um, now and, and the number of cameras that they're setting up in all those stadiums, you know, the amount mm. of investment there, this is, this, these are not investments that any public broadcaster anywhere in the world can make, you know. <clears throat> so what you're going to see, I suspect, is an even greater trend where this is going to become, you know, more pay-for-view uh, kind of scenario and certainly something that is there for those that have, that have uh, resources. You're going to see increasingly less and less uh, availability for you know the ordinary uh, football supporter who, who just wants to enjoy their, their their team game because for them it's a you know for the fans it's about the love of the game for the football for the PSL and the broadcasters it's about the money and for those who don't have the resources or who can't afford to to pay these fees is that a genuine concern then that they are worried that football is being taken away from it or is it just tough luck football is a business. Well, you know, if they don't have money, they're not going to be targeting them anyway, to be perfectly uh, uh, <clears throat> crude about it. Mm. Uh, and it's not to say that, they, that they're evil about that. But what you do, what you do need to consider is, is that if you look at football and, and how, how much support it's got in South Africa, there is, a, there is an extent to which you say, well, this is a game or a series of games that may be of national interest. So maybe not the entire league, what they working towards is trying to work out, well, these games are of national interest. So obviously they'll you know, throw in some of the derbies and they'll mm. throw in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, <clears throat> those kinds of things. But they're very unlikely to get to, to show more and more league games. You're going to see a lot less of those. But with uh, ECASA, and this is, you know, we're waiting for ECASA to come out with their next draft mm. regulations, we are likely to see some kind of emphasis and determination that says actually these games need to be available uh, for the people. So you've got to have sympathy for our regulator who's sitting between a rock and a hard place because they've got to say, well, we've got to make sure that people, you know, that there's a level of, of, of equality about this. But at the same time, you know, this is, football is about money and big, big money, you know, it's, it's, and, and they've got to make sure that they make uh, allow a situation where, um, multi-choice does what it needs to do, which is make money, and, and, and that, that the league gets to do what they do, which is also to make money. So should ICASA intervene here? <clears throat> so I think that they will indirectly to the extent that we'll see what they are going to do around um, the, these draft uh, uh, sports regulations. And, and that what they're going to do is anyone's guess. But I think that it's, it's a really interesting notion that maybe the competition commission needs to think about that you've got you know all of this cross ownership uh, you know across the referees and the sponsorships and the ownership of the team and then the actual uh, league itself it's, it's quite an extraordinary uh, scenario that i don't think you'd see anywhere maybe people didn't imagine that that would happen on such a all-encompassing scale let's go to the lines we've got sakile in Deben. good evening sakile Hey, remember? How hey. you remember? I know, Sakuba, remember? Yeah, Sakuba, remember? Hey, when we spoke about this the other day, and uh, and I'm telling you, Tariso, now, you know, Tariso, there is no regulator that's going to do anything, Tariso. You mm. see, these people are working with Safa now, you know? <laughs> they're even training our referees. It's mm. basically a monopoly now, Tariso. And um, they can even buy a casa if they have, <laughs> if they have to. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. How did we let this happen? Because Tariso, you remember, uh, you remember the other time when 
um, radio couldn't secure yes. broadcasting rights. Yes. That's when I knew, Tabito, that hey, we're in a mess here. Things are going to turn ugly. And Tabito, what is going to happen now? They're going to consolidate power and more power. And then they can raise the prices if they want to. Mm. The subscription prices will go up. <laughs> Trust me, Tabito, I'm not a prophet, but I see where it's going. Thank you, Tabito. Okay, thanks for that, Sakila. Loud and clear. Uh, William, on, on that note, he describes it, describes it as a monopoly. Are you surprised that the PSL is steadfast on taking the product to a pay channel who seems to have exclusivity on everything instead of just making sure that maybe the playing fields are a bit level? No, I mean, of course not, because they look uh, at getting the best possible monetary deal, and that's what, they, and that's what they're getting by doing this. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense from a fan's point of view uh, if you're interested in getting it on your favorite radio station and on your you know, free-to-air services. But to the PSL, it makes perfect sense. You know, they're going to make a lot more money this way. They get, you know, they'll get all sorts of other benefits um, by going in, in this particular direction. So, and, and I guess that that's, you know, that's, that's the logic of, of, of capitalism, basically, isn't it? It's, if you can make that much money, and that's why you always need to make sure that there's a level of regulation of these things because if you don't have regulation, you end up in the kind of scenarios where this is. And unfortunately, sports, um, you know, by and large, it's, it is about making uh, a lot of money. But, I mean, they've got some other real problems that, that they've got to deal with, some more existential problems, which is that, you know, <clears throat> it's all well and fine to talk about the fans, but the fans currently can't go to games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not going to see that in the, for the very near future, for at least the foreseeable future fans going to games. But even before this COVID crisis, there was talk about how fans going to games was decreasing significantly across mm. the board, you know, except for a few big build games, you know, the derbies and the final, those sorts of things. Mm. You'd always get uh, full stadiums. But for the rest of it, you know, people just weren't going. And that's not unique to football. If you look at, uh, if you look at the rugby and the cricket, some of our other big sports, you also saw a significant decrease in, in the number of people attending actual games. And that's one of the problems that they've, that they've got to try and address. And as much as this makes sense to them uh, on this level, you know, ultimately, if they if they throw that balance too far in, in, in one direction and people lose faith in the idea that actually this is about sport, that this is about genuinely a game, how do we know that this isn't? I mean, we laughed about the fact that they now sponsor the referees. Mm. What on earth is there to stop them from saying, right, whenever our team plays, you always let them score three goals. I mean, that's obviously a little crude in my example, but what on earth is there to stop them from doing that? Because it's not in anyone's interest to challenge that. So why wouldn't they do that? We've seen that in cricket. We've seen it We've seen it in other sports around the world. Why wouldn't they do it here? I mean, that's, you know, there's all sorts of allegations about FIFA. So, I mean, the mother body of football generally is, is more corrupt than you can imagine any possible state corruption to possibly ever be. Yeah, and so in this scenario, uh, why would you think that that, that isn't the case? And, and as I've said, I'm not saying that it is. Sure, sure, sure. But at the moment they push that, that thing too far and people start to go, ah, well, I don't know, you know, and they lose faith in it, then they're going to have a, a real crisis because they're going to kill the, 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 the golden goose that made the egg. And that's I guess the danger that this idea of just, you know, profits uh, for all ends and purposes is going to deliver that. And that's why they have to think about making sure that more people have access to games. They have to be public and open about the fact of saying, 
this is these are the steps, these are the processes to make sure that there is no bias. These are the steps and processes to make sure that we aren't, uh, you know, having just a pure yeah. offshore monopoly. If, if they don't make those things clear, they must accept that they're going to be open to every and er, any allegation of of of, of cookery in, involved in that. So they they're going to need to address this in quite a, a firm manner, I believe. And, and I guess if Supersport United also has a dubious decision go their way, people will start asking questions and there will be suspicions all around now that why are the decisions going their way. Even if the referee wasn't, it was an honest mistake from the show makes suffer referees, but that's what it leads to. And SABC Thank William you. told us last week that the free-to-air rights have also been sold to multi-choice instead of letting the free-to-air broadcasters or broadcaster bid on it. What's your take on that? Now, look, you know, I mean, again, we understand why. It's, it's a good money deal for um, the PSL, but not good for the ordinary members of the public. And you really would have hoped that uh, they would have made more games available. Um, and failing which, that they would have at least made a deal where they said, OK, we'll do these games and we'll also, you know, we'll do an hour delay on, on broadcast on, on these and these games or something, just so that... They offered people more of an opportunity to to buy into it because again, if they if they run the risk of making it and taking it out of people's hands uh, in a manner that's too easy to do, then you know they'll also really offend fans and and they may well lose a, a huge number of them. And at the moment, they're going to go well. You know, they're the poor ones. We don't really care. But ultimately, those are the people that build up your, your, your fan bases and those are the people that, that, that ensure that a sport stays alive. And if you don't have that kind of thing, then you've got none of the other people who want to aspire to be the wealthy ones anyway. And uh, there's a message here that says, Tabby, so these DSTV guys must know if they avoid media, it means there's an element of kickback. So if they avoid media, whatever There you go, think. you see? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And of course, you know, let's be clear. I, they, I really don't think that they are uh, going to be doing that. You know, we've got no reason to suspect that they are guilty of any of those things. But now, because of that, and because they've angered people by doing this, and they've limited access, people immediately are going to look to that. It's, you know, the same scenario happens with COVID. The moment you open a gap and people don't fill it with proper information, people imagine things and they fill it with conspiracy and, and completely inaccurate information. And this is no different. So their failure to go on and be open and clear and say, these and these and these are the steps. This is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to make sure football is accessible for all people. And at no charge, or we're going to do this and this and this to make sure. And these are the steps to make sure that the referees are going to be independent. Because they don't do that, they will open themselves up to exactly that claim that your uh, that that message from your listener has just put in. So basically, public interest is being thrown out of the window here. Well, it certainly seems to have taken quite a significant backseat. But as I said, we know we need to wait to hear what uh, Icarus is. Uh, going to be saying about these things and where they classify and how they classify uh, the PSL. And once that emerges, then we'll know, and then we'll know what kind of battle we're dealing with. But as I said, this what MultiChoice is doing now is they they're playing for a battle that they're going to be having against a player that's even bigger than them. Uh, you know, which is going to be Netflix and the like. Because if they um, if they start broadcasting sport, then you can bet that it'll go into you know, then, then your your money terms will go anywhere, and then it is just about whoever can afford to pay.
No, loud and clear. William, thank you for your insight. Thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you, sir. That's William Baird, Director of Media Monitoring Africa, just giving us his views. If you've just joined us, um, I did mention that we did reach out to the PSL and MultiChoice, asking them to come and just um, comment about this deal so that we can have a better understanding. But they've both declined our invite uh, this evening. We will respect that, but uh, the show um, has to go on. And there's another message here that says, Tabiso, thanks for the good show. Uh, to make the PSL wake up, SABC should negotiate with the best leagues in Africa, namely Egypt, Morocco and Tunisia, not excluding our Algeria and show the best teams from their from their life alongside South American leagues and you'll see the PSL will wake up alongside SAFA. They can't just take everyone for a ride thinking that revenue will only come through pay TV. In fact, SABC Sport will be more popular than even the pay. Um, I discontinued my Disc TV subscriptions when SABC started showing the Bundesliga and I'm very happy with your commentary. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're far too kind. Uh, who's that? Spoo. Okay, it says Spoo and we've got one voice note here. Let's play it before we move on and we talk about the other big story of the day oh we don't have that voice note okay we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the other big story of the day kaiser chiefs transfer ban um appeal of the transfer ban has failed there is official communication that has come from a case today that is the court of arbitration for sport remember kaiser chiefs were banned from signing players and our next guest mr brian mufukeng will tell us all about it by the way kaiser chiefs have just kicked off against chipper united daniel akbay is starting in goal in that match we'll keep you updated with the score from pe as well as from uh, Toya Ndo where Black Leopards are taking on Barroca. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. And now let's uh, talk about this transfer, Ben, and maybe get some uh, some some views from Brian Mufugenga about his thoughts on the Bafana Bafana squad. But we have to start with the big story of the day, the fact that Kaiser Chiefs transfer the appeal on their transfer ban has failed, which means that they can't sign players now for two transfer windows. And our very own Mr. Brian Mufugeng joins us on the line. Good evening, Bruno. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Hey, Toby, how are you doing? No, we're fine. Thanks in you. Has this ban come as a surprise to you? No, I did not. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was talking to a producer before yes. to say I was in Pulukwani when, when this whole thing started. And I remember talking to the guys in Madagascar. They were clear with the fact that this man is playing for a, 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 a proper team in Madagascar. The fact that we all thought he was an amateur player is something that was news to them. So, yes, you actually remember that Kosafa Cup when Ducks was signed. So what happened here? Did Chiefs not follow the rules and did not want to pay the club in Madagascar? You, you, you know, I think some, some of the things that we have is problems. I realize when I've done these Kosafa tournaments that you find agents who come around want to sign players and teams will come around. Players are always willing to move from their current team to try and get somewhere else. And players will sell you anything. They'll tell you everything you want to know that I'm not playing for I'm not playing for a professional team. My contract is terrorist, has run out, so I'm free to sign and all of that. So somebody should have done the state work to double check with the team festival to say, is this still your player, number one? And number two, if he's registered in Madagascar, he should therefore appear in a database to check if everything is in order and therefore negotiate with the team because that's what always happens where you find teams negotiating players directly and not talking to the registered teams. Yeah. So what lessons are, are those the lessons that should be learned here from, from Kaiser Chiefs and maybe and not even Chiefs, Chiefs, even other clubs here at home? It is indeed. You, know, you, 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 you can never just take a professional player who's playing football and take for granted and take his word for it that he doesn't have a contract, you know. Mm. You need to, to make sure that all your 
all your all your ducks across to make sure that all your teeth are crossed properly. You know, get your ducks in a row, double check everything, make sure that uh, the you know the dots are sitting nicely on the eyes, so that you know that you don't find yourself in air in your face. End of the day, they signed a player who, had, who was a very good player in the tournament. By the way, mm. he was one of the best performers in the tournament. They brought him to South Africa. He played for them, and then this came up, and then they wanted to appeal that and realize then. When he went to FIFA, people said, no, this man is still a, was supposed to be playing for this team. Therefore, he's supposed to go into this team. You therefore owe this team money for this player. You know, so it just shows that never take shortcuts. Go there and find out everything. If somebody wants to sign Tabiso, for example, they can't just say to Tabiso, we're signing you, and that's it, and it's all over. You know, they need to check what Tabiso's contract is saying in football terms. But, I mean, in Broca, it's a different mm. story. We all know that. <laughs> Well, it's a massive blow now for Kaiser Chiefs. They can't sign players for at least a year. Now, do you expect the club to take internal disciplinary action against the person or persons responsible for this signing? I mean, this thing has been going on for a while. I think the fact that Chiefs wanted to appeal this and fight over and over about it. You know, we all know who signs players at Chiefs. Are they going to be able to go and uh, find that person? That's another story for another day. But you know what I love about this whole setup, Tavisha? Mm. I was talking now. And I'm thinking out loud to say, we've always complained about the number of players who come from the youth teams or these teams, your Pirates, your Kaiser Chiefs, who never made it to the senior teams, you know? And when you had an interview with Gavin Hunt before the league kick or before the MTN8 uh, quarterfinal match against Marysburg United, he was here to say he's going to use whoever he has in the team and he'll be able to try and use as many of the young players as possible. We saw in the second half against Sundowns that you saw them having a 20-year-old, a 17-year-old, coming into the full of a 19-year-old playing. Something I've never seen achieved in a very long time. So I believe that as much as this appeal will probably derail their, their, their plans to try and get silverware, it's also a blessing in disguise to say, let's focus on the players that we have. Let's try, let's try and promote more players from a youth setup and bring them to the fold because those who understand the culture of the team, especially with Afa Zwani sitting on the bench, and we're able to take that culture forward instead of just buying ready-made players and bring them into the fold of Kaiser Chiefs. I mean, if you remember in 2001, the team that did very well was a fairly young team. Mm. The team that won the Mandela Cup? Yes, it was a fairly young team. There were a lot yeah. of young stars. I mean, Ochablani Matangu was the first time when he really saw him coming to the fold. Patrick Mbutu was part of the squad. I mean, Mokshine Tugral there had a very young squad. Yes, there had a few of those experienced campaigners. This team does have experienced campaigners. They've got your Bernard Parker in the squad team. They still have your Katandes in the squad they have your Castro's in the squad. Kama Billiard is still there, to mention a few of the experience there. Ramasan Patel is still there. But the bulk of the players, if you saw the second half of the game against Sundowns, that's what more or less the future Chiefs will be looking like. Yeah. So does it change the whole season perspective now for Chiefs and for Gavin Hunt? I believe if anybody's going to go to Gavin and say, you need to get us trophies now, they'll be very unfair to Gavin. Mm. You know? And I believe Gavin went to Chiefs knowing that they might not be able to win over 10 or get the, um, the, 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 the ruling over 10. And he already, he already psyched himself up. And hence, I believe, a person like Afazwani comes in handy. He has worked with the youth team of Kaza Chiefs. A German Shepherd has been part of the youth team at Verts. He understands how to deal with youth players. And also, a lot of work needs to be done by the fitness trainers at Chiefs because now they need to make sure these players are, are up and always up. Their fitness level has to be challenged every time, you know? Because you can't, you can't, they don't have the luxury of having a player getting injured who's mm. in a starting eleven. Who do you replace him with? 
Let's take some of the voice notes. If you've just joined us, we're speaking to Brian Mufukeng, just getting his thoughts on this Chiefs transfer ban. And we'll also get his thoughts on the Bafana Bafana squad. And you can send your voice notes to 0614104107. Still goalless between Chiefs and Chipper United after eight minutes in PE. Uh, good evening, Tabiso, and good evening uh, to the legend uh, there on the line. You are speaking to Libra here. Um, my question to him, is there any avenue that Chiefs can go to? Is is it now the end? Is the court of arbitration now the final, you know, uh, the only uh, option that was there for them? Is there, is there no court higher than the uh, case where they can go to? And secondly, does he think that Gavin Hunt can work with the squad that he has at the moment? with the youngsters that are really showing a lot of promise. Thank you. It's Libra here. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for that, Libra. Maybe let's start with the last point, uh, Bruno. Do you think that Gavin Hunt will be able then to work with the squad that he has now? He doesn't have a choice, does he? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He has no choice. I mean, if you look at the squad he has now, he's inherited a squad that he has. I believe that there's a lot of players who played in the youth level. I mean, I'm thinking out loud now, and it's also doing very well now because he was begging goals at youth level, you know. Pichi now, some other, I mean, Selenbosch are looking at signing in, you know. Um, I've seen some players they had on Batas who did very well at youth level. They could be having a chance to shine, to shine now, but most of the players are sent on loan things. If they need to probably try and get those players who are on loan back to the team and have them play. But over and above that, what we saw in the last two weekends, I think it's more or less that team that we see for Chiefs going for in, in the season. And what happens to the guys that have been training now? The the the, the Patunange that have been training at Chiefs, the Sifiso Tlanti now, do they let him go? Do they let them go? Do they uh, let them go out for a year and come back after that? You, you know, there, there are two chances on there. There's two ways to look at it. I mean, Chiefs can sign a player and not register him as a player and then therefore take him to allow him to go and play somewhere else. It depends on the player now. If the player believes that he believes his future is to start the Chiefs, he might sign and be sent on a loan stint to play somewhere else just to be able to get match time and come back when the band is over, you know? Mm. There are players who are willing to do that. There are some players who realize they don't have age on their side and they want to play football. And if they cannot be signed now or be able to be given a chance to play and get a good contract now, they'd rather go elsewhere. So it is a catch-22 for players in particular because you know what happens. The team signs you today. The same coach who signed you uh, a year later is gone. Then you have signed a three-year deal, and the coach is gone. What happens to you? So it's a very tricky situation for players. And also from a Chiefs' point of view, how many players can you sign and send out on loan? Yeah. So, so they can sign them as long as they don't register them. They, they, they can never get the players, but those players will, not be, will, will literally result to nothing. It's just like yeah. you just saying, I'm investing in the future for this. I don't have it now, but I'm making sure I'm keeping it, making sure that I need it. It's available for me. And is the court of arbitration the last, the, the, the final destination for Chiefs? Can they still take this matter further? From, from what I know, is the CAS only the last, is only the last chance for me. Mm. CAS only is the last way for you to go if you're trying to appeal. I mean, if I, so let, let's be realistic about this matter. If you are sitting as Chiefs and already have this ban, one. You have been exhausted almost a few months. They've been sitting on this for a few months now, trying to get this uh, ban uh, that is overturned. Uh, that since then has served these four months. Uh, they, they, they are still sitting and trying to fight this. If I were them, I would concentrate and, and focus the money on something to beef up the team, to make sure that the players in the team are looked after, that 
So whoever you're thinking of getting in the future, we make sure we start negotiating now, getting the best players we need in the future. And forget about this and move on from this. Okay, let's take the last two voice notes, Brian. Good evening, Tavis Omusia uh, and the team. Uh, like, you know, may you please always invite um, uh, Mr. Brian Mufukeng to come and uh, analyze issues like this, the big ones. I think he's doing good. Uh, please uh, always call him to, to come and uh, assist in things like this. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Tavis Omusia. This is Brian Makuya. Uh, from Amakuya in Limpopo province. Okay, thanks, Brian. I wonder if it has to do anything to do with the name, but thanks for that. It's noted. We will invite uh, Brian Mufugang again on the show. Uh, Bruno, while we have you on the line, your thoughts on the Bafana Bafana squad that was announced on Soccer Zone last night by Coach Mulef Nsegi. Any surprises for you? Nah, not really. Mm. I believe, you know, we, we, there was a huge outcry for Zungu to be part of the squad. And the fact that he's back in the squad, I believe the good thing. I mean, Tulani Ferrero, he's playing well now at Al Jazeera. I think he's always in any way to get a new team. Uh, I think now the, the coach's way that I've realized the coach has gone is Jim Furman. You know, Jim Furman is always going to be the one that covers for the defender. So I think he realized in a game against Zambia in particular that we attended a few times. We wanted to get the cover for the players at the back. Freddy Hrobla, we always saw. He's been playing so well since last season and also continue with the same form this season. I think it's a good one. Intimelan Kune, yes, a bit of a surprise, but I think when the coach explained the reason why he brought Kune into the squad, it makes sense. Roshin Derek, he's been exceptional, and we all were shocked when he was never called up the first time around. So I believe what we have here is quite good. Uh, I would have wanted to see a uh, Ben Mutuari in the squad. I would have wanted to see a Nodada getting a look in again for the second time. Maybe there'll be chances for him going forward, but I believe the squad we have, Kamele Mukocho being brought back into the squad. Leguan Manyama, uh, not too sure. Not too sure about Lebon Manyama. I believe that Lebon Manyama, when he came back into the bubble, he was not the same Manyama we saw before they went to the bubble. And I believe it's fairly because of the fact that they lost Maluleka, who made him shine. And nobody saw Maluleka's job until he was born. Yeah, and the coach did actually make mention of Tabo Notada, saying that it was a tough one to leave him out. But if you look at that midfield of Charlie, uh, Tembazwane, Bruno has mentioned Kamuhelo Mukocho, uh, Tulani Serrero, he said he said it will be tough for Notada to take anybody out of that team. There's also Keegan Dolly uh, there in that midfield. Uh, let's take two more voice notes. Hi, you're speaking to Siabonga Tinizo from Montclair in Durban. Hi, Gabi. Kune must stay. Kune Dala. He's old. There are many young goalkeepers who can do well, even better with Tinkun. Yes, we understand his experience, but the coach is there. And Athletikaya, he must stay at home, get other goalkeepers for the squad. Good evening, everybody. You guys are listening to Dumilan from Middleburg. Um, personally, I do not think that Dumilan should be there in the camp. I mean, the guy is clearly, clearly unfit. He has gained a lot of weight. And by the way, I am a Kaiser Chiefs supporter. But yes, he has gained a lot of weight and he's making a lot of blunders as well. Granted, it's still the first game, but uh, I suspect that these are going to continue. But nevertheless, um, the coaching staff there uh, have more knowledge than myself. So they probably know what they're doing. But if I'm being honest, I do not have a lot of faith in Mr. Nketi. Excuse the pun. 
Okay, thanks for those voice notes. Brian, people don't think Kuna should be in the squad. You said you understand the coach's reasoning. I understand the reasoning for the fact that you want an experienced campaigner to be there with the players. But from a performance point of view, I believe Ricardo Goss is far ahead of Kuna. From mm. a performance point of view alone, Ricardo Goss should have gotten a look in. If you look at the matches Kuna played last season alone for Kaiser Chiefs, you realize he only played three, four league matches. He played two more matches in cup time, so he played six matches in total. And he didn't complete those matches, by the way. There was one of those who was executed injured. And if you have seen him in the last two matches, I have to agree that, you know, I don't think he deserves a place in the squad, but given the coach's reasoning to say they needed a leader in the team, somebody can be able to, 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 to uh, you, know, you know, if you look at Kuna's communication on the back, you cannot take that away from him. He's always the guy that's always very vocal, the guy that gets the team going every now and then. Um, and I believe that in the matches like these ones, against Southampton, given the fact he lost against Ghana in the opener, and he won against Sudan, Ghana is sitting above, above other people in clear. And Ghana is playing Sudan home and away. We need to get as many points as possible in, this, in these two matches against Otome at Principe. And I think also Kuna will probably be able to tell these players that don't be complacent. You remember the time you were We went there complacent, shaking our tail feathers, what happened to us? Okay, loud and clear there, Brian Mufukeng. Thank you very much for speaking to us tonight on SAFM, and we really appreciate your insight and your input. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. That is SABC's uh, owner, Brian Mufuking. They can catch him on your TV or radio whenever uh, football is around.